it's important to be sensitive to what God does. One of the things about being born again, you have the Spirit of God living within you. And that Spirit of God that's within you sensitizes you to what's on, you might say, the wavelength of the Holy Spirit and what He's saying in the world. You see, the world counts the things of God as foolishness. Hello and welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry of Pastor Mike Kessler, the pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, Pastor Mike is teaching on the book of 2 Peter. The study on 2 Peter is part two of the Peter series, and if you'd like to catch up on the series, 1 Peter is available for free download through the iTunes podcast store, or you can purchase it from CSN at 800-357-4226. With 2 Peter, here's Pastor Mike. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 2 Peter, and we're going to be looking at chapter 2. Again, the book of Peter is an interesting book written by one of the disciples of Jesus and uh, firsthand witnessing what Jesus did on this earth, his reaction to people, how he himself saw his own personal failures, and yet in how he addresses all of us to walk in the ways of the Lord and how important it is to contend for what the Lord had delivered to all of us and not to waver from that. And so, again, Second Peter chapter 2, and we'll just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to gather today to study your word. We ask you, Lord, that you would cause us to remember these things, that they would be a basis for our faith in God, that because of our sure-footedness in you, that we would be able to defend our faith. And, Lord, live for you each day. And so, God, may your Holy Spirit now open our eyes, open our hearts to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, chapter 2, we find starts off, and very interesting, because whenever there's a great move of God in your life, in the church's life, there's always a counter move. This always goes, and it is part of being born again. It is part of walking in God's ways. It's part of living in a world that is literally going to hell. And because of that, whenever God begins to do a great work, there's always a move to stop it. We remember Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We remember the wise men came bearing their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we remember that here was the opportunity for the world to have a savior. And Herod seeks to kill all the babies two years and they're about years of age. And so Joseph being warned in a dream took him to Egypt. Whenever there's a great movement of God, you'll always find a a counter-movement of the enemy. Now, don't think some strange thing has happened to you when you accept Christ as your Savior. And all of a sudden, your eyes are enlightened. You become aware of the spiritual world around you that once maybe you were uh, dead to or unaware of. And now, all of a sudden, you begin to sense God's presence. And then, all of a sudden, you begin to see the enemy come in like a flood. Friends, again, we've talked about this many times before. Jesus sets the captives free. When the captive is set free from the bond and the prison of sin, the devil sends out every demon he can to drag you back. Well, as we would look at this today, we're going to find that as this great move of God was going on after Jesus had uh, ascended to heaven, 
the church was growing, there was also uh, an undermining, you might say, of the principles in which God had laid down. So we find in verse 1 of chapter 2, and this is the the next three verses are going to be a, a slight review from last week. But there was also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bringing on themselves swift destruction. Remember, anytime anybody adds anything to the blood of Christ, it's a heresy. So if somebody says, well, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and we don't eat beef jerky. Well, you know something's wrong here. You cannot ever add anything to the blood of Christ for salvation. Jesus paid it all for you. So when somebody would say to you, well, we believe in Jesus, and if you join our church, you will go to heaven. Right there, they've added to the blood of Christ. Now, you need to be aware of this because remember, whenever there is false doctrine, it always, li- it always leads to false living. And the reason why that happens is because you begin to put your trust in places that are not real. Whenever your faith is in Christ, your walk is going to be sure. Whenever you put your faith in men, men's creeds, ideas, other books, whatever it might be, you're going to have misplaced faith, and that will live, that will, that will lead to a misplaced life. So, he tells us here, there will be destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. Now, again, how would you do that? Well, simply this, that it's by good works. It is in addition to Christ's blood on the cross. And that's denying what Jesus did on the cross for them. And they do bring on swift destruction because, again, as your, as your belief system goes bad, your lifestyle system goes bad as well. And many will follow these destructive ways because of the way of truth will be blasphemed. It is interesting that uh, the devil has a way of packaging uh, a lie to make it masquerade as truth. And so then you begin to believe something that isn't true. And it says that it says many will follow them. So don't think that and never take your Christian experience with the Lord for granted. Don't just say, well, I'm a Christian and I kind of believe any old thing. All paths lead to God, cuckoo, cuckoo, you know, kind of thing. That's not the way it works. You need to maintain your relationship with God and take seriously God's commitment to you. It says that in their greed, and that's what covetous means, in their greed they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. God says he will recompense them for their behavior. There is a time though that God gives even the bad teachers to repent and turn from their ways. But it says in their greed they will exploit you. Always be careful of any ministry that their focus is upon money. Now, saints, this is important because today we see such an abuse. Many people say, well, I'd go to church, but it just seems like just a giant pickpocket session. I couldn't agree more. I I think that, uh, again, the Bible tells us that we give liberally out of the blessings of our heart and out of our life. That's the way we should give. But the minute we feel coerced or intimidated or real Christians give all their money, all I can tell you, remember what you're reading today. It's by their covetousness that they 
exploit you. Now, what is interesting here is we see the abuses of it today. You know, there's nothing that warms our soul more as we watch televangelists begging for money with a Rolex watch on. I mean, it just is so hypocritical that you see that and we understand that. And uh, I, I know that, that um, many times this is what stumbles people because they don't view church as a place of loving one another, but of some kind of a scam. Uh, oftentimes, even in the church, you'll find people that will be using the church as a, as a premise for some multi-marketing scam or some, some uh, uh, thing. Friends, beware of anything. You may not always go to this church. And if you go to another church and you find within the, you might say, the leadership of the church attempts to make money off the saints, all I can tell you is run. <laughs> Get out of that. Because here he's warning that this is one of the things that give away what they're really about. Now, as we read on the rest of the chapter, you're going to begin to see how this plays in to a person's soul. And so um, he says, for verse 4, some new ground here, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world... But save Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, and condemning uh, them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterwards would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed with the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, speaking of the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, tormented his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the the unjust for punishment for the day of judgment. Let's look at this real quick. He says, God did not spare the angels who sinned. Now, they had always seen righteousness. They'd never seen anything else but God's holiness. Now, somebody asked one time, well, how do we know that if we're in heaven someday, that we won't want to say, I'm going to rebel against God too. Start our own little rebellion in heaven. It's a good question. But what's different about you being in heaven and the angels always being in heaven is two major things. One, you have seen, I witnessed what rebellion against God does in a world. When you see what people do, their behavior, your own thought patterns sometimes, and you see what the rebellion is, and never having seen God's grace, maybe I should say God's glory. That means seeing the throne, seeing the seraphim praising him. And here in faith, we step out and we say, okay, God, I'm going to step out and believe in you. I see my own corrupt sin nature. I see the world's corrupt sin nature. And I'm going to choose to have you be my Messiah, that Jesus died on the cross for me, and that my sins are forgiven. You've passed, the Bible says, from death unto life. Now, you know what that rebellion led to in your own life. Why would you ever in heaven want to ever go back to the rebellion? You never would. Because now you've been delivered, your body's been delivered from these old urges and desires. you got a brand new body, you're in the presence of God forever. 
that's never going to happen. You see, a lot of people wonder what caused Satan to rebel against the Lord and a third of the host of heaven as well. Many people believe, and we've shared this before, but I personally believe the Bible talks about that God made man, all us folk, a little lower than the angels. Now, think about looking at a dog. We're made much above the dogs and the animals, ain't we? But God says he made man lower than the angels. But in eternity, the Bible says he's going to elevate all of us saints above the angels. Evidently, that didn't set well with Satan or Lucifer, you might say. And didn't set well with a third of the angels as well. That there was something that was going to be created above them, led in a revolt, and we remember the Lord removed their place in heaven. Well, uh, why is that? Because you have chosen to serve God in faith, not seeing all of the expanse of heaven, not seeing the great throne, God sitting on the throne, everything like that. God has allowed you in faith to trust him. And God says, because you have not seen all of eternity. You have not seen God sitting on the throne. You have not seen the things that are are, are reserved for those that love him. And yet in faith, you stepped out where the angels never had to have that faith. They were always created in heaven. They always saw the glory of God. Here, we're a bunch of little scumbuckets running around down here. And in faith, we say, okay, Lord, I believe someday in heaven, I'll be with you. God says, you know what? That kind of faith, I'm going to elevate above the angels. Because when the angels who saw all of God's righteousness, they rebelled against him. I believe that's why God has got such a wonderful position for you in eternity. I believe that's why the demons and the devil work so hard to destroy all of humanity. Well... He says, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, and no doubt because they had saw the greatness and the glory of God, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. We know that that's where a lot of them were and what God did with them. And did not spare the ancient world and save Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness. And by the way, we don't find anywhere in the Bible really that Noah preached great sermons. How did he preach great sermons? With his hammer and saw. Can you see the ancient world going by Noah's place of residence? And he's working on this big boat. Hey, what's that? It's a boat. God's going to destroy the earth with a flood. And I'm sure the Bible says it took him 100 years to build this thing. So wives, you think some of your husbands have projects that take a long time. Don't get too upset with them. It was made out of gopher wood. And I don't know what kind of gopher wood was other than gopher wood. It may very well be, and there might be a little bit of clue for some of you science-oriented people of the carbon-14 dating that the, deca- that the rate of decay may have been much different before the flood than after the flood. Because I don't know about any of you, but if you have a piece of wood and you're working on something and you just leave it outside for a couple of years, it's all twisted and warped and bad. And yet for a hundred years, Noah worked on his ark. If you think about it for a minute, one half of it would be deteriorated before he got the other half done. The Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. So he's got this big boat. I'm sure people came by and ridiculed him, made fun of him. 
Just like maybe they come by and ridicule you for going to church on Sunday morning when they're all going out to the desert to go go uh, shoot something or have a tailgate party or something. They go, well, what are you doing? Preacher of righteousness. You see, you don't realize sometimes we preach without ever saying a word. Somebody says we need to do that. Somebody said, they said, uh, Christians should preach every day and if necessary, use words. I like that. But, but you know, people make fun of you for not doing what they're doing. They probably came along and said, you know what? If you turn that into a disco or a casino or whatever, you'll make a lot of money. But he didn't. He kept doing it. Well, then one day, all of a sudden, all kinds of animals that you hadn't seen before start showing up in the neighborhood. An art bark. That's something you don't see every day. And what's really weird is they're getting on this boat. Now, this is what you call the inability to process the data at hand. They were seeing things, but they didn't understand what they were seeing. I, I kind of look at it the same way today as we see all this stuff going on in the Middle East right now. And you see Gilligan, I mean uh, Armajad or whatever his name is, ahead of Iraq. He looks like Gilligan. My observation. Oh, this is a tale of a renegade state. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, But saying that Israel needs to be scraped off the earth. They need to be shoved into the sea. That the Holocaust never existed. In fact, they showed uh, on one of these uh, uh, news channels all the statements that he made against Israel in just the last year. Now, this isn't coming from a wild-eyed, crazy news reporter. This is coming from the president of Iran saying that Israel should be and will be destroyed. Now, friends, when that comes from a president of a country, that's the same as a declaration of war. And Israel then this past week responded and said, we are contemplating a nuclear strike against Iran to take out their nuclear capabilities. Because if we don't, we know we're going to receive the brunt of what they're developing. Based upon what this man has already said. Now, I look at those as Ezekiel 37 38 and 39, where Israel was scattered amongst the nations. They come back together in their own land. Then Ezekiel 38 says that there's going to be a coalition of Islamic Arab neighbors coupled with the military might of what's left of the Russia-Soviet Union. And it says they're going to come against Israel in the last days in the land of the unwalled villages. And so you see the information, and yet Christians were sensitive to it, but the world doesn't interpret the data at hand. And I look at that in the same way as we see this here, that it's important to be sensitive to what God does. One of the things about being born again, you have the Spirit of God living within you. And that Spirit of God that's within you sensitizes you to what's on, you might say, the wavelength of the Holy Spirit and what He's saying in the world. You see, the world counts the things of God as foolishness. But you as a Christian who know God, who know His Word, you begin to have an understanding of what the days are like preceding the time of Christ's return. And what I should say by that is the rapture of the church. And so he says and tells us here that being a preacher of righteousness, he preached to his generation through what he was doing. They didn't see the flood coming. Well, it says here, bringing on the flood the world, uh, the, the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, and we know it was because of their sexual sin. 
And uh, it says that it was so bad that it said that um, Lot, who was oppressed with their filthy conduct of the wicked, it says that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Isn't it amazing that people who enjoy sin and people who love God have a complete different view of what satisfies the soul? Isn't that amazing? And and have you ever noticed that the continual wickedness wears on your soul? Have you ever noticed that at work? I mean, how many bad, dirty, blue jokes can you hear in a break room? You know, it's the same story, just juggled around a little bit. And you go, oh, here they go again. It's amazing. Or you see the employees of a company stealing. And you go, oh, it just, you you know, because you know it weakens the company. It takes away, uh, so it hurts everybody. And you just go, oh, why did they do that? It wears out. This is exactly what was wearing Lot out as he watched their immorality and all the things going about. And the angels that came to warn Lot to get out of town, the town men showed up, wanted to have sex with them. And Lot says, well, here, just take my daughters instead. Neat dad. Oh, well. And we remember the angels smote those men with blindness. Yet they were so determined to get to these men that it says they were groping at the door, still trying to get in, in a blinded state. Incredible. People that are bent on doing wicked are bent on doing wicked. That's what's so interesting here. But verse 9 is encouraging. Because the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government or authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed, and not afraid to speak of celestial beings, is what actually that word dignitaries means. So in other words, it's saying that when a person has gone into this world... They're so self-filled with themselves that the only opinion that matters, the only law that matters, is their own. I've been around groups of people that find no regard for the law. Law is for peons and other people. We're echelon. The laws don't apply to us. It's amazing. It's exactly what it says. As you look at this here, it says, those who walk according to the flesh, lust of uncleanness, despise government. Do you realize that that's what helps make your country a country? It's what causes you to be able to be able to drive down the road in your car. Do you right now, if you go to Iraq, the problem is there's no internal government that can enforce anything. And so then everybody just does what they want to do. And so what do you have? You have anarchy reigning. Well, can you see that it goes not only from a country's situation, but down to a person's personal life? And when it comes down to your personal life, you see, there has to be something that governs you as a human. What governs you? If you're not a Christian here this morning, i got a question for you. What governs you? Well, Mike, I just do whatever I know I can get away with. There's a lot of people who think that. That's government to them. Government is simply any lock that ain't locked with no one around. As Roger, what's his name, saying a long time ago? Jailers for sailor. Uh, never mind. <laughs> but the point is, is this, that, that, that that's the government people live by. And so what is your moral code? 
is what it's asking. It says people that have fallen into this, that have only now desired to serve themselves, and again, he was talking about those who take advantage of people because of their greed, this is what it's all about. Everything serves them. All rivers run to them. That's Pastor Mike Kessler with It's Time. I'd like to take this moment to invite you to get your free copy of It's Time to Grow, the new believers booklet written by Pastor Mike. It's Time to Grow answers many of the questions new believers have in a clear and concise manner, followed by the scripture references for each statement made. It's Time to Grow can be yours simply by dialing 800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Or you can order it online for free at csnradio.com. Don't forget, if you'd like a copy of today's program, you can call our toll-free line I mentioned before, and that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, the daily free podcast is available through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the iTunes Store. On behalf of Pastor Mike and all of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time. It's time.